something. It says that we do not wage war like we're fighting in the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, taking every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and making it obedient to Christ. So I want you to understand something. What, what every single one of you is fighting in this room tonight is thought patterns, strongholds, things that have perplex your mind. The reason why many people do not move forward in life is because they become bound in their mind. Father, we thank you tonight that your word is coming. It is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will divide the soul from the spirit. It will divide the thoughts and the lies of the enemy. Father, we thank you, Father, that you will take captive every thought that exalts itself to the knowledge of God in this room tonight. And Father, you will be exalted in it. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Last week we talked about the idea, you may be seated. Last week we talked about the idea that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So I want you to get the concept of that. That the Bible is clear that as a man thinks, so is he. How many of you believe the word of God to be true? How many of you believe it to be alive? Amen. And so if the word of God is alive and is true, and God is not man that he shall be able to lie, then we have to understand everything that God says is true. Everything that God says is true. And it's the reason why there's such an onslaught and attack even against the Bible and the validity of the Bible and, and, and if it really be the whole word of God and if it's not just, you know, maybe it's just a bunch of made up stories and fairy tales compiled together. See, the, uh, the attack of the enemy is against the word because because the word is the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in high places. Therefore, we put on the helmet of salvation, and we have the breastplate of righteousness. Our, our, our loins are girded with the belt of truth. Our feet are showed with the gospel of peace. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this. The only offense mechanism that you have, everything else is defense. Everything else is to protect you. Everything else is to keep you safe. But the only thing you have to fight back with with is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we find in Matthew chapter three and four, where Jesus is led to the wilderness. And when he is in the wilderness, he is warring. But watch this. He's not fighting the devil with fist. Come on, somebody. He's not fight. He's not wrestling with the devil in the dirt. He is warring against his enemy with what? Words. Satan comes and he says, but if you be the son of God, then turn this, this rock into bread. And if you be the son of God. And he, the enemy is planted excuse me, planting thoughts by words. But every word that the enemy says, Jesus combats the word of the enemy with the word of truth. Every lie that's said, Jesus takes and takes it captive by the word. When he says, if you be the son of God, turn this rock into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed from the mouth of God. So what we find out in the reality of this is, is that the only way that Jesus fought back against the enemy was with the word. Watch. Why are so many believers walking defeated? I'll tell you why they're defeated. Because they have no sword. And I'm not talking about a Bible sitting on your nightstand. I'm talking about the word of God alive in you. David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Watch, David knew he could keep himself from sin by keeping the word in. Do you hear what I'm preaching and teaching tonight? So what we have to understand is the reason why the enemy is against the Bible so bad is because if you ever get it in you, you'll find out who you are. And if you find out who you are, you'll find out how bad the enemy loses. Come on, somebody. And if you find out how bad he already lost, you'll walk in victory. Hallelujah. 
So what we find is that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And if you can change your thinking, you can change your life. Listen to me. If you change your thinking, you can change your life. I talked about this last week. So many times in the church, what we want to do is we want to we degrade the idea of psychology in the church. But if you go to Muslims, if you go to any other religion, they'll talk about the power of your mind. And here we find that in Christianity, we have a God who created the mind. We have a God that, 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 that trains our minds. We have a God that wants to renew our minds. Scriptures that say, let this mind that was in Christ so also be in you. And so we understand that we have a God that is very conscious about our thoughts. Second Corinthians tells us that we take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And if this be true, then why is the church not talking about the way that we think? And so what we've done is we've trained people to change their clothing. Come on, somebody. Don't wear makeup if you really say. Make sure you wear a dress if you really say. Come on, I'll preach against it tonight. What we've done is we fixed up the outside and we left soldiers broken on the inside. You got people that can walk the walk, talk the talk, sing the songs, but when they leave here, they're defeated in their minds. You got preachers that pull out of pulpits and go home and wrestle with a spirit of suicide. Why? Because they haven't been renewed in their mind. You got people that have been bound in addiction and pornography and the struggles of this life, and they look like good church folk, but they're still, sub- they're still, they're still defeated in their minds. And so when they leave here, they do stupid things. Oh, come on, somebody. And the reason why is because the church has danced around the idea with about the way we think. And what we focus the church so much on is hearts that we've missed heads. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Have you asked Jesus in your heart? Have you asked Jesus in your heart? Have you asked Jesus in your heart? That's great. But have you asked him into your head? Come on, somebody. Jesus, don't just fix my heart. Fix my head. I don't want to just love you. I want to think about you. I don't want to just hold you near to my heart. I want to hold you near to my head. That I think, and watch this. What did the Bible say in Philippians? Therefore, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. And so what we have is we have church people that are defeated in their minds. We've, listen, we've been great at playing church. Some of you come in here, you put a smile on your face, and you were cussing in the parking lot. You ain't fooling nobody. See, you do realize that before you ever take a step, there is a thought in your head that releases an impulse to the muscles in your leg and your foot. And so last week, we talked about how every move we make happens head first. That when babies are born, they're born head first. And you have to understand, in this life spiritually, you got to move. But the only way you're ever going to move spiritually is head first. If you're going to birth things in the spirit realm, you're going to birth them head first. If, if you're going to really get delivered, if you're going to move forward in deliverance, watch, Jesus is not just about casting devils out of your heart. Come on, he is dealing with the demons in your head too. Joyce Meyer wrote an incredible book called The Battlefield of the Mind. And it's a book that talks about that the greatest war that you deal with is right in between these two things on the side of your head. And so what we have is we have a body. We have a, we have a, we have a body of believers, even in this room tonight. And, and, and you love God with all of your heart. You, you love God and want to serve him. But, but go, go back to that, that commandment in Exodus when he said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your Yeah, it's funny, though, because the church doesn't want to talk about that part. We're really good with saying, yeah, you got to love God with all your heart. But here's my thing. Do you not just love him with all your heart, but do you also love him with all your mind? 
Come on, when I'm talking about loving God with all your mind, that means that you don't get to say that you love somebody and then walk away and cuss them out in your head. Come on, somebody, this is real church. So what I'm saying is you don't get to say that, that, that you're okay with this or you're okay with that, and then you walk away, and in your mind you're thinking dirty, bad thoughts. I'm not saying you're not going to have evil thoughts as a believer, but I'm going to tell you what the old preacher told me. It's not about the bird flying over your head. It's the prevention of making a nest in your hair. That's the difference that the church has to arrive at. I'm not saying you're not going to wrestle with, you know, lustful thoughts and, and you're not going to wrestle with perverted thoughts. I'm not saying that because the enemy knows that if he ever gets this, he gets everything attached to it. What did Jesus say? He said, birds have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his... Huh. Let's look at that. If birds have nests and foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head... See, I want you to know that Corinthians tells me that we are the body of, okay, watch, line upon line, precept upon precept, contextually, what is he talking about? When Jesus came, he wasn't talking about that he didn't have a home. He was talking about that he was looking for a place to put his head. Oh, some of you will catch that. Can I tell you that Jesus now has a place to lay his head? That it was prophetic that when John the Baptist lost his head, what he was saying in that decapitation, it was a decapitation of religion, and now the new covenant and the new testament was being established, and Jesus would no longer look for a place to lay his head, but we are the body. Does the head say to the foot, I have no need of you? Does the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? No, we are the body of Christ, and now the head of Christ, the church, come on somebody, now the head of Christ has a place to be. What is that all about? It's all about thinking. It's all about thinking. He said, now I got something I can put my thought pattern on. Do you hear it? So when the church was born, now there was a place that God said, now I can put my thinking on this body called the church. And now when we move as the ecclesia, we think like Christ, we talk like Christ, we move like Christ, we love like Christ, we do like Jesus does. WWJD, right? Come on, somebody. Y'all real quiet in here tonight. So what we discover is that what rules your mind rules your world. What rules your mind rules your world. Proverbs 23 and 7 is the scripture that I've quoted already three times tonight. But that says that as a man thinks, so is he. Catch the reality of that. Every one of you stood your hands up and you said you believe God's real and you believe God's word's true. So if God's word's true and if God's real, then Proverbs 23 is not a lie. And what it's telling me is that as a man thinks, so is he. I don't think we have a problem with addiction. I think we got a problem with people that believe they're addicts. Come on, somebody. You're talking to somebody that was delivered out of it. I'm telling you, when God got a hold of me, he didn't just get a hold of my heart. He got a hold of my head. He changed the way I think. I got in his word, and all of a sudden, I found out that I wasn't poverty-stricken. I wasn't beat down and destroyed. I found out that I wasn't beneath. I found out that the devil wasn't triumphing over me, but that I was a son of God, that God so loved me, he gave his only begotten son to die and shed his blood so that I could live and live life eternally. I found out greater is he that's inside me than he who's in the world. I found out that the weapon may be formed, but it can't prosper. I found out that every tongue that rises against me in judgment, it shall be condemned. I found out that it may come at me in one way, but it's fleeing in seven. I found out that he'll be the glory in the midst of us. 
but I had to get this word inside of me. And it's the reason why there's you that are here tonight and you're struggling through things. And the reason why you're struggling through them is not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God has forsaken you. It's because you have forsaken to get his word inside of you. You have to change the way you think by the reading of God's word, by God's word alive in you. You have to realize that the spiritual warfare that you are facing is won and lost in between your ears. Romans 8 and 5 was a scripture that we looked at last week. It says, those that are dominated by sin. Y'all have got this screen all mixed up. You need to drop the words down, please, but I'm going to read it to y'all. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Catch that part. I'm in Romans 8 and 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. If you don't have life and you don't have peace, I'll tell you why, because it's who's controlling your mind. You hear about this thing of mind control and brainwashing? Yeah, it's true. It really is true. And you know what? I preached, I preached a message one time uh, in the church. I called it uh, getting brainwashed. And because that's what the church does, the church needs to be brainwashed. I'm talking about brainwashed with like the blood of Jesus. And I'm talking about brainwashed by Ephesians 5, the word washing over our mind, renewing it. We got to get rid of this stinking thinking. We got to get rid of this dirty mindset. We got to get rid of this, this idea that we're just a, a bunch of people that are getting beat up on and picked on by a devil every day. That we walk out of the house and we say, woe is me. No, what we need to do is we need to, when our feet hit the floor, a uh, devil needs to say, oh no, he's up. Oh no, she's up. Uh, my plans are thwarted today. What I was wanting to do it stop now because she's up we got to start believing things like Deuteronomy 28 that said we were the head and not the tail the lender and not the power that we're above and not beneath we got to start believing that stuff Romans 12 and 2 says do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think but changing you into a better person by the way that you think. I'm in Romans 12 too, the New Living Translation. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How many of y'all would say, hey, I want a brand new me? Come on. Romans 12 too just told us that you don't get to conform. You don't get to transform. You don't get to copy the patterns of this world. Watch this. You don't get to be like everybody else and then get a new life. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? But you have to allow the word of God to come alive in you. You got to allow the word of God to speak over you. You got to allow the word of God to get inside of you. And when that happens, it will start changing the way you think. All of a sudden, you'll realize that you're not a product of what you came, where you came from. Do you understand that one of my greatest ministries is speaking to young kids that have come out of poverty-stricken, no dad in the home, areas of ghetto, and my, my job in them is a spiritual father as I'm speaking life into them, and I'm telling them, listen, I come from a house of alcoholics. I'm a first-generation preacher. I'm the kid that was 14 years old doing drugs at the table with my parents on Thanksgiving Day. That's the house that I came out of, but that's not the house that my kids are being raised up in because what they found out is that when Jesus got in my life and he changed me, he changed everything. 
And you don't have to be a product of what you came from. Some of you say, you know, some of you say, well, my daddy struggled with drugs. My daddy was an alcoholic, and so I'm an alcoholic. That's a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. You do not have to be a product of where you came from. You can start being a product of where you're going. So I want you to understand this conquering by confession. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 was a scripture that we looked at. And I want to expound on that a little bit more this week. Revelation 12 and 10. That if we're going to really conquer, we're going to conquer by confession. Because it's not, just, it's not just the word of God in us. Watch this. It's the words that come out of our mouth too. I would say that our lives are very much like a well. That what you put in the well comes out of the well. There wasn't a time too long ago, a person that I know was saved and serving the Lord and he was doing a really great thing for God. And then all of a sudden he got wrapped up and started, you know, watching some things that I know he wouldn't normally watch. And then started going places I knew he normally wouldn't go. And next thing you know, he's talking, he starts cussing and words are cussing and coming out of his mouth. And, and I asked him, I said, I said, what's, what's the deal that he said? He said, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I started, you know, watching the show. I had a lot of cussing in it. And next thing you know, I just, I just found myself cussing. And I told him, I said, that's because you don't understand your life is a well. And what you put in the well will come out of the well. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. The abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you can only release what's inside of you. You put trash in, you'll get trash out. You put, come on, righteousness and holiness in, you'll get righteousness and holiness out. You put faith in, faith will come out. So Romans 12 and 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. And they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Last week we talked about the idea that you have to understand that it says that they overcame him. Who's him? The accuser of the brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan, Lucifer. And it gives an incredible job description of this adversary that we all have. It says that he stands before the throne of God day in and day out, all day long, all night long. Y'all have any of those annoying people in your life? God's got one. His name's Satan. He stands there all day long. Hey, 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 God, did you see what Kyle just did? Hey, God, did you see what Kyle said? Did you see what Kyle was thinking? And all day long, day in and day out, he's accusing, he's making actions. Accusation, and he's saying, I can't believe you got him preaching when he used to do this. I can't believe you let him say your name when he used to use it as a cuss word every other sentence. And he's standing there and he's accusing and accusing and accusing. But the Bible says in Revelation 12 that he was cast down, he was overthrown, watch this, by their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. So what we find is that the blood of the Lamb and our words become battle buddies. They go to war together. Watch this. What you say in the blood Jesus shed, they link arms. I'm going to say that again. What you say in the blood Jesus shed, they link arms. They go like this, and they go to war, and they go to war on your behalf. They go on the war be on your behalf to overthrow every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So when our words line up with God's word and his blood, the enemy is thrown down. Some of you are in great series of warfare and battle, and the only reason why is because you haven't changed what you're saying. Some of you here tonight are guilty under the sound of my voice to get up and you say, oh, today sucked. Oh, it's another terrible day. My husband's lazy. And then you wonder why he's lazy. I'll tell you why he's lazy, because you said he would be lazy. 
You prophesied over his life. See, people don't understand. I really believe this stuff. I really believe this stuff, that there's power of life and death in the tongue. And we joke, and I, I make a lot of the women laugh a lot of times. I say the next time he's laying there on the couch and his whitey tight, he's eating cheese puffs, you need to walk into him and say, my God, you're an anointed man of God. Watch to see, he'll jump up. He'll do something for the Lord. <laughs> you newly married folk, you'll figure out about that in about 12 years. Um, but the reality of it is, I'm serious, you got to be careful what you say. you got to be careful what is coming out of your mouth. Because the Bible that we just read told us that the only way we're overcoming is by the blood of the Lamb. And then what we're saying, did you catch that? The only way we're overcoming is by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the blood because when I fail in my words, he makes up in his blood. Come on. But the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony, it's what we're saying. It's what we're saying. We conquer by confession. What are you saying? What are you saying over your marriage? What are you saying over your children? What are you saying over your body? Come on, somebody. Calling it my cancer. That's a lie from hell. It ain't my cancer. That's hell's cancer. And it's got to go back to hell from where it came from. Come on, somebody. My arthritis. You claiming that junk. Oh, yeah, I'm going to kick this devil in the teeth tonight. You're claiming it. It ain't yours. Quit putting possession on things that God never gave you. My depression, my anxiety. That's a lie from hell. My addiction. Get those words out of your mouth. Those are not your things. Hallelujah. So what we understand in 2 Corinthians 10 is that we do not wage war as the world does. That our weapons through God are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That word strongholds, it literally means thought patterns. See, a lot of times we think of strongholds or strong men, we think of them as demonic beings that stand 12 foot tall. Research that. Research the context of a stronghold. A stronghold is a thought pattern. Watch this. It's a cycle. And so many times what the church deals with is cycles. You see people, watch this. They come to the altar. They get saved, they give their heart to the Lord, glory to God, Jesus comes, Holy Spirit comes, and begins the restoration process of redeeming them by faith and faith alone, not by works, least any man should boast. And all of a sudden, you got this person that is excited to serve Jesus. They leave church, and they got tears running down their face. Jesus really came in their heart. And then all of a sudden, a week goes by, two weeks goes by, and then three weeks goes by, and they get punched in the chest by the enemy because they come up against a thought pattern that never got dealt with. And that's the reason why deliverance is so important in the church because you can't just, you can get saved, but we need people saved and set free. What did he say in Luke 4? That he came to proclaim the gospel, salvation, and he to preach liberty to the captives, deliverance. He said, I didn't just come to save you. I came to make sure that you saved and set free. But he's got to deal with those strongholds. He's got to deal with those thought patterns that are wrestling in your mind, things that you're dealing with. See, I believe that we can be our biggest advocate or we can be our biggest adversary. I firmly believe that the church is guilty of giving the devil far more power than he has. I think we believe in the devil more than we ought to. Come on. Job said, the thing that I feared most came upon me. Ah, Don't let me teach on that. See, what we find out now is that fear and faith operate through the same function. 
that whatever I believe in, whatever I put my effort in, whatever I put my unction in, that will become my reality. And Job said, the thing that I feared most came upon me. And I questioned, Job, maybe if you wouldn't have feared the worst, but had faith for the possibility and the best, that outcome would not have been the same. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you are living in fear and torment, and you're wondering why the very thing you were scared of is your reality. The reason why is because you gave it life. Come on, somebody. See, and we have to realize it's not what we are seizing as much as it is what we are saying because what you say, you will seize. What you say, you will seize. What you say, you will seize. I know, trust me, y'all, there's this, you know, there's, there's teachers and people, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. And I'm going to be honest with you. Though there may be some errors in other teachings, I'll tell you straight that that is biblical truth. That Show me your words and I'll show you your world. You show me what you're saying and I'll show you what you're seeing. I'm serious. You need to take God up on this. You need to, you need to go ahead and challenge God at his word and say, okay, God, I'm going to start being more careful over what I say. And some of y'all, rather than operating in fear, need to start operating in faith. And you need to start saying things that my son will get set free from those drugs. He will serve the Lord. He shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. My daughter is coming out of addiction, and I praise you for it, Jesus, that you are powerful. You are powerful. And you're not going to sit around and talk about things like, I just can't believe she's struggling again. She fell off the wagon again. You're giving it life. You're giving it life. Every time you talk about it, you're bringing it, breathing life into it or death in the case of Proverbs 23. Romans 10, verse 8 out of the New King James Version says, But what does it say? That the word is near you in your mouth. And in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you see that? That it's not just about what you believe. It's about what you say. Did you see the correlation there? Did you see the message of what I'm talking about? Come to reality and conquering by confession. He said in, to the church at Rome, he said, it ain't just what you believe. What are you saying? Because with the heart, one believes, but with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Watch this. He said, you don't really have it until you talk it. My God, if the church would catch that. We say we believe God. We say we believe in God. But you don't really believe God until, you start, until your words start saying that you really believe him. You know how I know people got faith? All I got to do is listen to what they say. I don't, I don't got to ask you how much you read your Bible. I ain't got to ask how many times you attend church. All I got to do is get in a circle at a sandwich shop somewhere and let me listen to what you say, and I'll be able to tell really quick what you believe. There's a lot of people say they believe, but the words don't follow it. Romans 10 and 17 said, So then, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, people say, Preacher, I just don't have time to read my Bible. That's great. You got time to listen to it. Tell me you don't. You, you, you listen to Netflix. You listen to YouTube. You listen to iTunes. You listen to podcasts. You listen to all this other crap. Come on, somebody. I know some of it's good, but here's the thing. When's the last time you took your Bible and, cl- and clicked on the YouVersion Bible app on the audio and mash play and went to sleep? 
See, see, I don't don't know, maybe I'm just a little too spiritual tonight for y'all, but I'm a firm believer that I may be sleeping, but the word of God's still going to work. It's going in my ears. It's regenerating my spirit. That faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I may not hear it in the natural, but my spirit man that never sleeps, he's hearing it. He's being regenerated. He's being awakened. He's being quickened. Faith is arising even while I'm sleeping. Some of y'all want to listen to the newest Maverick City song. When's the last time you put it on play and just listen to the Bible? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the reading of God's word. Do you know why, why it's so important to have a preacher in church? Because when he preaches the word, what did Paul tell young Timothy? Preach the word. Be in season, out of season. Do the work of an evangelist. He told him, preach the word. Why? Because when the word is preached, it will go forward and accomplish that's what he sent it to do and will not return void. So when the word of God goes forward and it's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, it divides the soul from the spirit, the bone from the marrow, and is the discerner of the very intentions of a man's heart. The reason why the word must go forward is because you're faith comes alive when you leave here tonight your faith will be stirred you say I don't know what it was but being in that room I could feel something leaping in me I can tell you what that is that's the grace of God on your life your faith is coming alive he is strengthening your faith he is increasing your faith Hebrews 4 and 12 says for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why is it so important for you to read your Bible? You ready for this? It's so that the Word can read you. Listen to me, brother. Listen to me. Listen to the Word of God. Why is it important for you to read the Word so the Word can read you? It's not, it's not, it's not so, that, so that we can brag about how much we've read the word. It's how much that we can steal our hearts for God to read us. Why is your Bible so important? It ain't so you can check boxes to say how many chapters you've read. But here's my question is how much of the Bible has it have read you? The reason why people, what did he say? My people perish for a lack of knowledge. We don't know God's word, and because we don't know his word, the people are perishing. The people are not occupying. The people are not dominating. The people are not standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord because we don't have his word in us. I challenge you this week. I said, go home and read the Bible. That's my altar call. Go home. Read 10 minutes of the Bible every day. That's all I'm asking you to do. Get the word inside of you. Because when the word of God gets inside of us, it will show us what's really in us. Come on, somebody. There's things that I didn't even know were wrong. But until I got in the word, I started reading them. I said, man, I got a conviction over that. I can't do that anymore. I can't go there anymore. The church don't need a preacher to preach to and tell them everything they should do and shouldn't do. They just need to get in the Word and let Holy Spirit, who's the great schoolmaster, teach them and lead them in all truth. And what did Jesus say? In that day, they will need no teacher, for the Holy Spirit will lead them into all truth. Lead us, guide us, teach us, Holy Spirit. Say what only you can say. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. For the Spirit of God, when He comes into your life, He doesn't bring a spirit of fear, 
But he comes and he brings power, love, and a sound mind. How do I know that you love the Lord? Because you do not operate in fear. And not only that, you walk in a dudamos. You walk in an overcoming power and you have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. Some of you that wrestle with your thoughts and even dementia, we bind dementia in the name of Jesus, and we say that it has to come under the authority of God's word, that God is not man, that he shall be able to lie, and that when he said he gave me a sound mind, that means dementia's got to go in the name of Jesus. Alzheimer's has got to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. See, make no mistake. Your words make war. I want you to catch that. You don't believe me? Get a prophetic word released over your life. Let a prophetic word be released over your life. And the moment that word's released over your life, all of a sudden all hell will break loose. And what breaks loose next is everything contrary to what the word just said over your life. Come on. Is there a witness in the house tonight? A word is released over your life. And the next thing you know, it looks like everything in your atmosphere is headed in a 180 different direction than the word that was just released. Get in the Bible. Allow the word of God to begin to speak to you. And then you'll, you'll be seeing it. And, but everything you're saying looks totally contrary to the word of God. Why? Because there is a war for words. There is a war for words. Make no mistake, your words make war, and the enemy will use his word, a.k.a. lies, to fight back. How does the enemy fight you? He fights you with lies. How many of y'all would say the devil talks to you? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Come on, somebody. So what we realize is the enemy's got a mouth too. What voice are you listening to? See, if I know that my adversary has a way to communicate with me, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd make, I'd make dang good and sure that I was spending some time in this right here, that it was getting in this right here, to get in this right here, and get into this right here. Amen? Because if the enemy is able to speak to us, then and if God wrote me a 66-book love letter, then I better make sure I'm sitting down and reading it so that when the lies show up, that I can realize the lies. Amen? See, Peter likened Satan to a lion but that he was a roaring lion. Did you catch that? His mouth moves. <laughs> I said his mouth moves. So what we have to understand is that you're up against a mouth-moving enemy. His mouth moves. He roars. What does that mean? He makes sound. He makes distinction of sound to inflict fear on his, uh, on his enemies, you and me, the bride of Christ. So he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Watch this. His roar shows up before the devourer does. He only devours those that he gets permission to conquer through fear. If you'll bow to his roar, oh, yeah, 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 you catch that? If you'll bow to his roar, then you've given him permission to show up and begin to devour. Walking around seeking whom he may devour. When he is roaring, when his mouth is moving, what you got to realize is his mouth is moving because he is trying to move you from a place of faith into a place of fear. Don't get grounded by the lies of the enemy. The devil's roars might sound a lot like this. That if you do this, I'll do that. If you step out on that, I'll expose all your dirty secrets. If you do this, I'll tell everybody where you've been, what you've done. If, if the road ahead of you is too difficult, you should just give up now. If, if, if look at all your failures. God is disgusted with you. I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you said this. Look who your parents are. Look, your mama didn't even want you. Look, the church is rejecting you. Roars such as these have tremendous powers to invoke an overwhelming fear and cause you to retreat, which is just what the devil wants. But you got to conquer by confession. What am I talking about? While the enemy speaks lies, then you need truth. 
And you need to say things like this. I am more than a conqueror. I do not fight for victory, but I stand in victory, the victory of Jesus. His finished work on the cross of Calvary assures me of forgiveness, healing, peace, provision, protection, and the acceptance of God. No attack, no threats, no lies, no accusations can steal these away from me. Not now or in the future, I declare that in Christ, I am above the influence of Satan. Last week, I told you, then I wanted you to take 10 minutes every day and read the Word. Whether you did that or not, that's between you and God. But I want to tell you and let you in. Here's my altar call for this week. You ready? This is it. Once again, no altar call, no coming forward. This is impact. This is, this is uh, empowering. You're going to take this. You're going to run with it. You're going to go and do the Word. Amen. James said, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. So here's, here's my challenge for you this week. I want to give you, real quick, a morning regimen. And anybody that knows me, they'll tell you, they'll say, man, Kyle Meyer is extremely busy. And I am very busy. I'm busy as a dad. I'm a father of three children. I have three kids that are nine, eight, and seven. I'm a husband of an incredible wife that's full-time in the ministry with me, that's very busy in the ministry, has a heart for children, runs an incredible uh, children's uh, ministry every day of the week, and Dominion After School Care and Learning Center. And so our family is very busy, and I'm an entrepreneur. I have three businesses that I run. I, I lead a ministry and growing, and we, we've got a campus in Sumter. Our, our ministry is televised weekly into 169 countries around the world. It's incredible But what, what God's doing. But can I tell you something, that in the midst of all that I have found, that one of the most powerful things that I can do is make sure that I am consistent with God. Because everyone says, man, I don't know how you'll do it. And I'll tell you how I do it. I have things like a morning regimen. Let me tell you my morning regimen. The first thing that I do when I get up, you ready, is I don't jump in my Bible and I don't pray. The first thing that I do when I jump up, because I still have a, I'm being real with y'all. I know most preachers tell you they get up at five o'clock. Glory to God, I ain't that saved yet. Y'all pray for me. But I get up and I help my wife get my children ready for school and they get out of the house by 7.30. At 7.35, I am seated at my table in my dining room and it's just me and Jesus. And at that moment, right then and there, I do devotion. I take time and I indulge in the scriptures. I make sure that I get the word of God in me. Sometimes I'm doing a devotional book where it's multiple scriptures. Sometimes I'm reading through the Bible. Recently I was just reading through Joshua, but now I'm in a devotional book where I'm reading about eight or nine different you know, paragraphs of scripture in context to a topic that I'm studying. But the first thing that I do in the morning is I get the word of God alive in me. The next thing that I do is I spend five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer for others. And what am I talking about? I quiet myself after the word of God has come in and begin to change the way I think. Watch this. Then I spend five minutes in prayer for others. And when I say others, I say, I spend five minutes praying for people that I can call by name. And so it's in those five minutes that I'll take and I'll close my eyes and I'll say things like, Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you for my wife, Jamie. I thank you for what you're doing in her life. I thank you for the incredible way that you're using her. God, protect her. Keep her safe. Continue to allow your anointing to flow over her. God, I thank you for Harper, Adley, and Kai, the precious gifts that you've given me as a father. Lord, I pray that you just anoint and empower my children to do great things. And Jesus, make yourself real to them in a way, God, that they know you relationally. 
And Father, I thank you for Miss Mary, and I thank you, Father God, for Sister Fran and Brother Derek, and God, I I thank you for the way that you're working in Sister Kim's family, and God, I thank you so much, God, for the way that I see your commitment welling up inside of Beth, God, and I thank you, Father God, for Trey and his heart to serve and everything that he does. And see, what I'm saying is I take five minutes and I call out people's names in prayer. Watch this, because I believe you can never really pray for yourself until you learn how to pray for others. And my faith arises, watch, when I pray for other people. And once, and I'm not saying i got to stop, watch, timer, but I'll pray as the Spirit leads me. Roughly five minutes that I can call people's names out. And I just declare things. And I just pray, pray, pray. Sometimes I'll sit silently and God will drop another name in my spirit. If you'll get quiet and silent long enough, God will speak. And I'll take five minutes and I'll just pray for people that God drops in my spirit. And then after that, after the dose of the word, and the dose of praying for others, now my faith is at a place where I can pray for myself. And then I take roughly five minutes and I'll pray for me. Because I know that if I'm not okay, nothing I'm connected to is okay. And so I pray things like, God, you know, continue to work in my heart, God. Forgive me of any sins, any trespasses, God. Lord, order my footsteps today. Lord, cause people to walk across my path and meet across paths with people that need you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father, that you protect my mind against every thought and every attack of every devil. Father, that you keep my eyes focused on you, Jesus. Help me to glorify you in all that I do, God. And see, I'll take roughly five minutes and I'll just pray for me. And then I'll pray in the Spirit. Amen? I said I'll pray in the Spirit. But then after that, I do something every day. I do this every day. Every day. And I've done this for years. I do something I call confession. And that is where... Once the word has gotten in me, I've been my brother's keeper. I've checked my heart before the Lord in prayer. I say, okay, now I'm going to profess what God would have me to profess. And I'll stand up and I will profess things. Matter of fact, I felt led. I'll go in and even read to you my profession for today. Um, I, I disciple our leadership team. And in discipling our leadership team, I have recently started sending my confessions to them every single day to, con- to confess for themselves. And so literally, you can see my messages right here is from today. I said, profession for, for possession. And this was my, my confession today. I said, I receive your word as a seed sown into my heart. It yields good fruit in me, 30, 60, and 100. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches will not choke out the word and make it unfruitful. I delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. I will not fall away when tribulation and persecution arise on account of your word, but it will be like a tree planted in the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. You have chosen me and appointed me to go and to produce lasting fruit. In all that I do, I prosper because I abide in your word and your word abides in me. That was today's profession. I spoke that over my life. Yesterday's profession, I simply uh, sent this. I said, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water to earth, so shall your word be that goes out of your mouth. And it shall not return to you empty. And it shall accomplish that your purpose. And you shall succeed in the things which you have sent it to do. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And let it be unto me according to your word. And that's the scripture reference out of Luke. 1 and 38. Every single day, I speak this over my life. And here's the thing, you ready? I don't, I don't read it. I speak it. I make myself 
hear it. Stand with me all over the house. I said, I make myself hear it. Why? Because the Bible tells me, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the reading of God's word. When God's word is in us and we decree it and we speak it, all of a sudden our faith arises. Our ears become the portal to our heart and our heads and all of a sudden our lives begin to change because now all of a sudden we don't believe what we think about us. We don't believe about who we were, where we came from, what we've done in our past, but we believe what God says about us. I started this roughly two years ago and I started it with this confession. This was the confession that I started with two years ago. I said, Jesus is first in my life and I will exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. My children love God and will serve him with all of their whole hearts. I will nurture, train, and equip them to do more for the kingdom of God than what they've ever thought was possible. I love people and believe the best about others. I am disciplined. Christ is in me, is stronger than any wrong desires against me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day. Because of Christ, my faith is deeper. My family is closer. My body is stronger. My leadership is sharper. My vision is clear. I am creative, innovative, focused, driven, and blessed beyond measure because of the Spirit of God that dwells in me. I develop leaders. It's not something that I do. It's who I am. Pain is my friend. I rejoice in suffering because Jesus Christ suffered for me. I bring my best and then some. It's what I bring that after that I bring my best that makes the difference. And the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. My life is moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. And therefore, my mind will be set on him, Jesus, the author, the perfecter of my faith. And what comes out of my mind comes out in my life. For two years, I professed that confession over my life every single day. Can I tell you something? I'm living in the fruit of that profession. I started something just 20 days ago called something that God gave me in prayer. It was called Profession for Possession. Profession for Possession. And what I read you today, a couple of those confessions that I've been saying are things that I feel like God's put in my heart for where he's leading us even as a ministry, even as a church. And so what am I telling you? The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. You hear about your church and you hear about their vision, but my, here's my challenge, my question. When's the last time you got a vision for you? When's the last time that you took Habakkuk 2 and it says write the vision, make it plain so those that read it can run with it? When's the last time that you sat down and you wrote out what you wanted your life to look like? Husband and wife, when's the last time that you sat down and wrote out what you wanted your marriage to look like? We go through life and we're tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine because we have nothing that is restraining us. We have nothing that is keeping us in the mark. So here's my challenge to you this week, Dominion. Keep reading your Bible 10 minutes a day. I don't care what it is. Read Genesis, read Revelation, read Haggai. But read the Word of God so that the Word of God gets in you. And when the Word of God gets in you, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one scripture out of your reading that you feel like is a promise from the Lord to you. And I want you to confess that over your life. It may say Israel, but you could take Israel out and you could put Derek there. You could put Kim there. You could put Kyle there. Put your name wherever that promise is. And I want you every day that you get that promise, you get that promise. If you don't get a promise that day, use the day before. Read this tomorrow. Read Read tomorrow until you feel like God spoke something to you. Take it and begin to profess it over your life. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. 
that we are conquering by confession. Father, it's not just what we are seeing, it's what we are saying. Father, we thank you that we do not wrestle and fight as the world fights, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So God, we pray tonight and we thank you, Father, that as we wage war, we wage war with our words. And we fight against every accusation, every lie, and every stronghold of the enemy over our lives. Father, I thank you tonight that I know by the Spirit your word went forth. God, I can see in the Spirit that it sliced hearts and minds open in this room tonight. Father, I felt your word penetrate. I felt your word deepen our love for you. Father, I pray tonight that as we leave this place, we'll leave here with a hunger for your word. And that hunger for your word will begin to change what we say about us. And when we change what we say about us, it will change how we think that you see us. And it will change the way that we think. And as a man thinks, so is he. Father, let these become the righteousness of God. Let these become the sons of God, the daughters of God. Let these become kingdom movers, hell shakers, empowered, anointed, and overthrowing every onslaught of every devil in hell that's come against them and their family. Let change start here tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus.